who had all the hype last year and didn't deliver? And why might they actually be uh, a fantasy football value for you here in 2023? We deliver our post-hype sleepers tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check your stat line, see who's up, that over-under hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the jet sweet sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves. fantasy football podcast all right all right all right it is june 28th 2023 this is the in-between fantasy football podcast seth wilcock here sending all the feel-good vibes your way on this beautiful summer evening and i am once again joined by the sneaky link of the in between fantasy football podcast he's an astronaut by day a fantasy football and sports betting analyst by night he's the founder of green screens media pros with joes coming to us live in a loft from the great state of texas eric romoff what's up eric how we doing tonight brother man we're doing good i'll, I'll mention it again any loft or attic in the great state of Texas might be the hottest place on the face of the earth. So I'll try to keep it cool, but I'm really dying up here. And part of the reason why it's so hot up here next week is the first week of July, right? Like that is really when we start to see some more drafts start to ramp up. We really get to, you know, get to experience the craze of that camp news trickling out and starting to see some guys build a little bit of hype. Fortunately, some guys are going to get injured and that's going to build hype for someone else, right? Like yes. we are, we're going to blink once and we're going to be in the thick of the beginning of fantasy football season. And for once, like, I feel like we can catch our breath a little bit because the news cycle is a little dry. You know, we don't have a lot. We're, we're, we're begging for something and there's not really that right now, but um, it, it's still a busy time for us here at IBT Media. We're trying to get our ducks in the row and I apologize folks about my terrible background right now. Um, we are in the midst of moving, so uh, we moved all our stuff to the new house this weekend out in Lancaster County. Eric, in one day, I got to see a horse and buggy, old school style, a horse and buggy, uh, the speed style that you've seen Joker ride, saw one of those, and then I legitimately okay. saw so many people parachuting from the sky in one day at this new house. And I was like, what the hell is happening? I saw like 10 people parachuting. Well, here it turns out there's a parachuting club right down the road from me at a little airport. Uh, is that something you'd be interested in, Eric, a little parachuting club? Man, that sounds like a ton of fun, but I already got enough worries about like regular shit that might kill me. I'm not going to go out of my way to find more things that might kill me. Yeah, absolutely. There was one guy, man, who literally had like a fan on the parachute just ripping around like he was in like a little four-wheeler in the sky. 
it was oh, yeah. crazy. Um, I'm excited to get back down there. But next week, we will be back in studio. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have the full roster back with us as well. No Scott Rainier. He has a little bit of an eye issue tonight. Uh, and then Kyle Scott dealing with some family stuff as well. So wishing you both the best, gentlemen. Hurry back here soon. But in the meantime, tonight on the show, we are packed. We got headline hijinks. As we said, we're kind of begging for some news, but we can project to some possible landing spots for some big-time free agents, New Hopkins, Dalvin Cook as well. And then we're going to talk about our post-hype sleepers, and we'll round it out with some good news. Also joining us on the podcast tonight is the faithful, faithful IBT Media family. Hooves already in the chat. Oh, and now he's calling us out for being fashionably late. Yeah, I, I'll take the card on this one, Hoov. Uh, I put out some odds for yesterday's team meeting. Who will be the last one in there? Was a little generous to my guy, Hoof. I will say that. A little generous to him on those odds for sure. Uh, Eric, what do you say, man? Uh, should we go ahead and jump right into it here with a little bit of headline hijinks, though? Yeah, let's get it. All right, here we go. Let's start off, guys, with some headline hijinks. <laughs> All right, we are waiting for some news to drop here, Eric. And we do have a little bit of a really nice article that our guys Sports Illustrated put together. And they said that they think Dalvin Cook's going to end up somewhere in the AFC East here. Uh, they broke it down from looking at different things, putting different clues together, things he said. He's doing a little bit of a media tour right now, trying to drum up some interest. Uh, so from that, from some recent tweets he's liked as well, and reports they put together this article, they think he's either going to the Dolphins or the Jets as the front runners, and he's also liked a couple of Patriot tweets as well. So, Eric, where do you uh, where, where do you think Dalvin Cook fits in here, and what's your headline for this news? Yeah, so my uh, my headline is Cook woke up in East mode, feeling beauty and the beast mode. He's uh he's out here, like you said. He's trying to keep his name in the news as much as humanly possible, right? I think this time last week, he randomly gave an update on his shoulder injury that nobody asked for, right? Like, basically anything to keep his name out there is something that he's going to be in favor of. And now he's doing the kind of social media flirting thing. And all of the teams that he's flirting with all land in the in the AFC East, right? So you mentioned the Jets. You mentioned the Dolphins. The Dolphins have kind of been almost the de facto landing spot since even before he was released, right? When yes, he was rumored yes. to be released, most people were looking at the Dolphins. I mean, I, I think it I think it makes some sense there, right? Their their running back room is crowded, right? So anyone that was was or is drafting Dalvin Cook in hopes that he's going to have a Vikings like role wherever he lands, it's probably wishful thinking. That includes Miami, right? Like they're still gonna work in Wilson. They're still going to work in Mostert. They also got A-Chain, who is absolutely lightning fast, so they're going to want to try to get a playmaker like that on the field. Cook goes there, and you know he'll probably get the majority of touches, but he's going to be splitting with multiple other guys. And then the the Jets fit feels kind of weird, right? If, yeah. if this is something that, that the Jets are leaking out there, that more than anything just gives me a bit of pause with regard to Brees Hall's recovery. You know, prior to this point, all of the reports were – glowing and he was clocked at 22 miles an hour yes, in camp yes. and 
ev- everyone was was really throwing their you know their support behind it, and it, it added up right. The the injury happened early enough in the season to where we can expect him to be ready for camp. Um, it was a clean tear, right? So not a whole lot of complications in terms of getting it repaired. So if they are in fact interested in Dalvin Cook, gives me a bit of concern. If I'm in the Jets front office, I'm probably not pulling that trigger. You know, obviously Brees Hall is coming down the road at some point, but I'm also I'm really bullish on Izzy Abanaconda, their their rookie running back that they drafted this year out of Pittsburgh. I think that he is more than capable to help, you know, uh, kind of fill the gap while they're waiting for Brees Hall, if they are, in fact, waiting for him. So, you know, Dolphins probably still make the most sense. Agreed. Patriots are always going to be in there just because they like to mix it up and, you know, play the play the foil wherever possible. But really, if, if we see more talks heating up with the Jets or at least rumors around the Jets, gives me more and more concern for Brees Hall's recovery. Yeah, we know how many times Bill Belichick likes to fuck over the Jets. So if he gets a yeah. chance to fuck over the Jets somehow, he'll go ahead and do it. He already did it with Broderick Jones in the NFL draft, trading back with the Pittsburgh Steelers there. I agree with you here, man. I I, I don't think there's a place that Dalvin Cook can realistically land without injury and be a running back one for fantasy anymore. Yeah. I think he's more of a, you know, a, a mid-tier running back two wherever he lands. Hopefully, like for fantasy terms, it is the, the Dolphins because there isn't one pure workhorse there. Because if he goes to New England, if he goes to the Jets, that ruins Ramondre Stevenson's value and it ruins Brees Hall's value. Both guys who could have RB1 type ceilings and are being, being drafted as low end RB1s right now as well. So I like the analysis. I like the headline there from you guys. Uh, let's go ahead and move forward to the other big free agent news, and that is none other than DeAndre Hopkins. He is right now, Hopkins is weighing offers from the Patriots and Titans, hoping that a third suitor uh, gets involved here. That's uh, via Chris Marson of the Springfield Republican up there in the great state of Massachusetts. My headline here, Eric, ham special light, Patriots offense, not as bad as you think. So I'm comparing the Patriots offense to a, a kind of a shitty light beer here. Um, but the reason I, I bring up ham special light, it, it's got some meaning to me when I was in my younger years, I won't say how young, um, 1399 was all we needed for, for 30 cans of a good time. So, and I, I think the Patriots offense is kind of similar here. Like, I don't think, are they a great, are they a great offense? No. Are they, is hams a great beer? No. But is it serviceable? Can it get the job done for 1399? Absolutely. And when you look at Deandre Hopkins, I don't think New England is as bad of a landing spot as a lot of people think here. He would be an instant target hog there. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, it's Tyquan Thornton, and a bunch of nobodies there. And this is as close as he's going to get to that 10-plus targets he saw last season. And despite how it ended, I know there were some racist rumors going around and some different things like that between Bill O'Brien and New Hopkins when he ended up getting traded there for you know, a terrible move by, by Bill O'Brien there. Uh, sending him out, what was it, a second-round pick and David Johnson for New Hopkins, Eric? Yep. Yeah, basically uh, basically a, a warm ham sandwich. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. So uh, not a great trade. But regardless of that, man, like Hopkins was a stud from 2014 to 2019 in the Bill O'Brien system. Wide receiver 14, 4, 26, 1, 2, and 4. Obviously, Hopkins is aged. Um, and the quarterback situation isn't as good as Watson was in 18 and 19. 
However, I think Mac Jones is just as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, uh, Osweiler, Savage. Like there was some shitty quarterback play and, and Hopkins just continued, continued to produce. So I think if they were to land him here, this offense runs between Nuke and Stevenson. I think it could be better than we think here, Eric. Uh, so I like Nuke Hopkins a lot right now. I think he's a value going in drafts. Um, especially if he lands here with the Patriots. I'm in on it. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, th- I think it really depends on where, where in fact, he's landing in drafts, right? When when he first got released, actually before he was technically released, when the news of his release first dropped, he started shooting up draft boards. And that yes. was obviously a bit of an overreaction. You know, where where he's settling in now is fine. The thing that gives me concern is is really twofold. I, I don't think that he's going to get a third team in the mix, right? I think it's going to be a decision between New England and Tennessee. And these are not prolific passing offenses, right? Certainly not. You know, for for how inept my beloved Texans were in the tail end of those Bill O'Brien years, they were absolutely slinging the rock all over the field, right? And I don't think that's going to be the offense that they look to deploy in New England as Bill O'Brien is reinstalled as the offensive coordinator, Right. I do think the offense will be more effective overall, right? Remember last offseason, you know, basically Mac Jones was just dragging Matt Patricia through the mud saying there are dead ends in this offense. He was getting consulting from quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators outside of New England. It was Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the guy he was getting consulting from. He was the man behind the curtain, right? So now (laughs) I, I do think this offense will be more effective overall if Hopkins lands there. I do think that he will easily be the primary pass catcher in this offense. But I, I don't think we're going to be looking at a, a New England team that's going to push the pace or throw the ball nearly as frequently as we did, you know, looking at Bill O'Brien's last, last years in in, uh, in Houston. Jonathan in the chat, he's agreeing with you, saying so true. Uh, yeah, great points there, Eric. Albert saying good evening. Good evening to you, Albert. Appreciate you tuning in, man. I think bottom line for me here, looking at those numbers, the worst year he had in a Bill O'Brien system was wide receiver 26. I think that's still kind of the floor for New Hopkins here, and you're getting that wide receiver 20. So I'm willing to pay that price currently because I think he has a wide receiver one ceiling still. Um, if he goes to Tennessee, I'm out. I'm out on New Hopkins, but I discredited him last year, and he came out and was really, really good. Uh, with some pretty shaky quarterback play still at the end of the season as well. Uh, we, we got to ride the Trace McSorley train a little bit, and then, uh, of course, Colt McCoy as well. So let's go ahead, Eric. Let's pivot out of the news here. Let's get to our uh, our sleepers for the day, man. I, I think now is the time. The, the hype is slowly starting to build on some players, but the ones we're talking about, nobody wants. So uh, let's give the viewers a little bit of that here and some short things, sleepers of the week. It's the short thing. Sleepers of the week. Okay. Short thing, sleepers of the week, post hype edition. Eric, I'm putting you on the spot. Give us a good definition of a post hype sleeper or what we're really talking about here in a sentence or two. Yeah. So um, you're, you're really you're trying to take advantage of a mental bias in the overall player pool of fantasy football managers. And what you're trying to take advantage of is targeting players that 
in the prior year or in prior years, plural, had a ton of hype behind him, right? There were everyone was the captain of this player's hype train, and they immediately came out and laid an egg for any reason, right? Injury, um, you know, didn't get playing time, whatever it might be. Whenever a player doesn't live up to those elevated expectations that come along with hype, typically we'll see the market overcorrect. And everyone that got burned by them last year is a little bit more hesitant to click that button this year. And that almost uniformly presents at least the opportunity for value. So whenever that's there, we got to sniff around and see if it's worthwhile for us to actually take it up. We see it time and time again. And I love how you put it there. We have to sniff around, man, because some of these will be great values. I think some, you know, might deliver and, uh, turn back ADP, but a, a lot of them I think could come through in a big way. So I'm going to hand it off to you, man. I'm going to give you the baton here as I shout out Didi in the chat. Hello. Hello. Good evening, Didi. Thanks for joining us out there in California tonight, man. Eric, who is your number one or just first or your favorite, whichever one you want to go here post hype sleeper. Yeah. So I'm going to go no particular order here, but this is a player that I'm finding myself with a ton of exposure to in best ball, um, I'm finding myself landing as a QB2 basically every time I do a Scott Fishbowl mock. And that is Mr. Unlimited himself, Russell Wilson. He finished, he finished last year as QB16 overall, QB18 in points per game. And he is the definition of post-hype, if nothing else, right? This time last year, everyone was drooling over the recent trade that brought Russell Wilson to Denver, to all of the weapons he was going to have there, to having Aaron Rodgers, QB whisperer, mastermind, Nathaniel Hackett as his head coach, right? So, you know, everyone was completely on board this idea, and they completely fell on their face, right? Nathaniel Hackett looked like he had no idea what he was doing on the sideline. He also had to bring in outside help to help him keep track of what down it was and how much time was on the clock. Yeah, Russ Wilson looked more like Mr. Unlimited refills, right? Like he came into camp super out of shape and wasn't able to move very well behind that line. So really just about everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong or did go wrong. But eventually they saw the writing on the wall. They got Nathaniel Hackett out of there. And little by little over the last, you know, remaining games after they moved to an interim head coach, we saw some momentum start to build with Russell Wilson. And specifically, he finished the last three weeks of the season, weeks 16, 17, and 18, as the QB2 in points per game, 20 fantasy points per game. And it wasn't just happenstance. If you watch, if you go back and watch the film, they actually started getting him back into shotgun more often. They started using more complex offensive concepts as opposed to the kind of watered-down vanilla stuff that Hackett was doing. And now, over the course of this offseason, they bring in a guy that, knows a thing or two about about creative play design and sean payton right so you know all the things that we we really liked about russell wilson and these broncos last year really remain in place except he gets not only an upgrade at the head coaching position but a known quantity at that at head coaching position and you're sitting at a point today where you can get him as qb18 right you know potentially going undrafted in single quarterback going well into the mid to late rounds in um in in a variety of formats and if it all clicks i mean you know back end qb1 value is well represented on his range of outcomes 
Yeah, and you're absolutely going to have people like me. I was one of those guilty managers who I drafted Russell Wilson way too early in a handful of leagues, lost me those leagues, honestly, uh, as high as you know first round in Scott Fishbowl last season. So I will go nowhere near Russell Wilson this season, but that's why it's going to create a value for a lot of managers, possibly like yourself here, Eric, who are savvy enough to possibly get back in with it. And if there is someone who can fix Russell Wilson, bottom line, it is Sean Payton. Will he? I'm not sure. Um, that is to be determined. But at QB 18, that's like pretty much undrafted in a lot of almost, you know, yeah. one quarterback 12 team leagues. So why not take the chance? If you're in a super flex league, you could have worse quarterback two options here with Russell Wilson. So I like that call out here. Um, I'm going to go with someone who I think defines post hype sleeper here. We were talking about it earlier today over text, and he said, Man, who was someone who just got all the hype last season? Well, well, Eric, it was Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, you couldn't even shout his name. Like you, you could be on Mount Everest last season and just whisper Gabe Davis in the fantasy community would hear about it. They would talk about it. Uh, it was insane. I had never seen that, honestly, with one player, how much different outcomes uh, people were projecting for him. And there was a lot to like, honestly. Like You had to overdraft him last season, but there was a lot to like. Ninth in snap percentage among wide receivers. Seven touchdowns. It's 14th best at the position. Third highest yards per reception. But the concern with Gabe Davis is the ADOT was so high last season. He was running a lot of go routes. Wasn't running a lot of slants or any underneath routes like he was the season prior. And so now he's limited and people are viewing him strictly as a deep threat. And that could be the case. Like that realistically could be the case that he is just a deep threat and that is the player he is. But also at this moment, the Bills do not have shit in that wide receiver core. I'm sorry. I I, I think it is very, very bad. Their slot receivers are Trent Sherfield, Khalil Shakir, second year wide receiver. And I think that the big issue here too is like they brought in Cole Beasley last year. It's like that was how bad this was. Stephon Diggs ran 25% out of the slot, Gabe Davis 10.6. If Gabe Davis is going to up his number, he needs to run out of the slot more. He needs to not just be running go routes. And in his career, when you actually look at the numbers, that was a career low form. In 2021, 25% of his snaps were out of the slot. Uh, 2020, as a rookie, 32%. So it might be frustrating at times to roster Gabe Davis this next season, but he was a wide receiver of 36 last season. He's averaged seven TDs per season. That's what you're going to get, I think, bottom line. At, at a price wide receiver 41, I'm going to take the shot that the Bills might start using him a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, lower that dot a bit, because they have no choice. I don't think it worked last season what they were doing. So I'm going to take that shot here, Eric. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it, right? And, you know, going back to kind of laying out the concept of what a post-hype sleeper is, the more hyped a player was, the more bigger, the, the the wider, I should say, the slingshot or the overcorrection is the following year, right? So yes. people aren't touching Gabe Davis because there was a point over the course of the offseason, also following that very first game last year where he absolutely torched the Rams. <laughs> yeah. People thought that he was the next coming, right? And so all those people are burned. They're going to leave him by the wayside as evidenced by his wide receiver 41 ADP. And I, I think the things that you laid out are are completely uh, salient and spot on. I think overarching as well, you know, some of where this Bills offense has has kind of come up flat is they're they're built around the long ball, right? They're trying to hit home runs all the time, 
And just statistically, your your success rate at that is lower, right? So bringing him closer to the line of the scrimmage, you know, doing more than just having him run nine routes and try to take advantage of single coverage is going to inherently make him a more valuable piece. And if nothing else, the the thing to remember with these sleepers, value is relative. If you're getting him at wide receiver 41, he can, he can have a wide receiver 29 season and he did great for you. Right. And a wide receiver 29 season is a fairly, you know, pedestrian outing on a per game basis. So there's, there's just so much room to, to return value when guys are this far down the draft board. And Gabe Davis is definitely worth a dart throw. All right. Well, Gabe Davis love a little love for Buffalo. They've been in the headlines recently, not for great things either. So a uh, little bit of Buffalo love there uh, for our friends out in Western New York, Eric, back to you. Who's another post hype sleeper that you got your eye on this season. Man, I uh, I'm, I mentioned it in the uh, in the intro that the uh, the hype doesn't have to just go back to the prior season, and that's the case with my next post hype sleeper. Actually, goes back two years to the point where he entered the league, and that's Kyle Pitts. Immediately upon getting drafted in Atlanta, because they drafted him so early, it was just presumed day one, athletic freaking nature. Guy's going to come in, and he's basically going to be Travis Kelsey from the jump. And the reality is, especially at the tight end position, nobody is Travis Kelsey year one, right? And if, if you think about it in the historical context, you you look at that rookie season, You know, by and large, people were pretty disappointed with how he performed, but he was actually tight end 11 on the year. He had 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie tight end, just absolutely unprecedented production. But because that expectation was so much higher, people felt burned. Some people went back to the well last year. Last year is where the wheels really fell off, right? He didn't play a full complement of games. Those 10 games that he did play were exclusively when it was still Marcus Mariota time. I know. Yep. Yep. Desmond Ritter incrementally better, you know, to an extent, right? But he didn't get any of that uplift. And the, the thing with that is that his role in the offense was still so prolific right number one in air yard share number one in deep targets number 38 in red zone targets right getting into the end zone has been the issue for this man obviously variance is baked into any touchdown prediction but you look at a guy that has this amount of volume through two years and only has three receiving touchdowns to show for it it would seem like regression to the mean is in order for this year but also schematically The Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith love running the ball. 55% of their snaps were running plays last year. And when you don't have a player like B. John Robinson, it's going to say some disparaging things about the guys on the roster now uh, previously. (laughs) When you don't have a player as prolific as B. John Robinson and you run the ball that much, it's really easy to overcorrect and to adjust your defense to not only account for that ineffective run game, but bracket guys like Kyle Pitts and guys like Drake London. So I do think the addition of uh, B. John Robinson coming in will will make this offense more effective overall, and it'll just it'll keep defenses honest, right? You know, that that red zone target share is, is very difficult to overcome, but if we're looking at a world where they now have to account for B. John Robinson coming up the gut, all of yes. a sudden he's going to have a bit more cushion in that part of the field where things really get tight. So like Kyle Pitts to find his way into the end zone for a change this year. But also I like him to return pretty good value at tight end five, right? Tight end five still, yes, still sounds high, but he's very much so 
at that, you know, in that second cliff where, you know, he's going well into the middle rounds after guys like Kelsey and Andrews and to a lesser extent Hawkinson have come off the board. So, you know, in the middle rounds, there's just so much upside there. It, it, it feels weird to pass up on it and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep shooting for upside. Yeah, and I will be transparent. I've never had a Kyle Pitts share at this point. I do about 12, 13 leagues a year, and I've never had it. And this year, I have my first Kyle Pitts shares already, multiple yes, best ball leagues. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, and the water feels warm. The water feels fine, man. Like, <laughs> if there's going to be a breakout for Kyle Pitts, it comes in year number three. Desmond Raider was way better than people give him credit for at the end of the season. And he was thrown to Drake London, a Zacchaeus, and nobody else on this team. So I think he could absolutely have a decent season. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on this one, man. And we know it's going to be a lot of Bijan. We know it's going to be run heavy. It might not be the sexiest uh, way, but Kyle Pitts has tight end two ceiling. I said it a couple weeks ago on the show on our Hot Takes sure. episode. Uh, he has tight end two ceiling. This is the year you attack him in those middle rounds. I love it, Eric. I'm going to go with someone who has kind of disappointed us so far uh, in his career. And great rookie season for a guy who kind of got it going a little bit slow and then just fell off the last two years mainly because of injuries. He's in a new place, though. It's DeAndre Swift. And like it or not, there's a cliff after DeAndre Swift in your fantasy football drafts. He's going RB24 right now. There are only two backs that I think have the ability to be an RB1 behind him. Uh, that, that's even in their ceiling. That's Alvin Kamara. Obviously, some legal troubles he's sorting out. Kind of a stay away until then. And then James Conner, I, I think, could just see a ton of volume. Um, however, DeAndre Swift was pretty decent at times when he got the work last year. He started hot. He finished hot. Uh, over, over seven total touchdowns in back-to-back years now, uh, averages over 4.5 yards per carry. I think the issue is with him is that it's the volume, right? He only saw nine carries in three or more games last season. And I think that is what scares everyone away from him is, will he get that volume in Philadelphia? Well, one, we know he can get those touchdowns in Philadelphia. We saw Miles Sanders back 12 last season. The offensive line's even better in Philadelphia, so we can keep that average, keep those touchdowns. Where he could improve is the volume. Miles Sanders saw at least nine carries uh, in all of the games, 17 straight for him last season. So obviously we know we have Rashad Penny there. I don't trust him to stay healthy. Kenneth Gainwell, he had less, less touches uh, in 2022 than he did in 2021. So I don't think he's going to be a real factor. I think bottom line, you're drafting Swift near his floor. He's He was still a, a, an RB2 after missing multiple games last season. He's behind a better offensive line. He's in a better offense. Jalen Hurts is going to throw some defenders off him as well. So I like Swift here at RB24. It's a risk it, no biscuit pick, Eric. Um, but I think there is some upside here to Swift. And, and he's slowly kind of just sinking like Miles Sanders was a season ago. Yeah, I, th- I think the the important thing to remember here is sort of the overall context of your roster, right? Like you, right now sitting at, R- at RB24, you know, going somewhere between the sixth and seventh round, you know, kind of late, late sixth, early seventh is where I see him more often than not. If, if you're going if you're going zero RB and DeAndre Swift is your answer for your running back one, probably probably a little bit more risk it than biscuit, right? But if if you're in a position where you're maybe going hero RB, right? You get you get someone in the first round, you load up the rest of the positions, 
and you fire fire it upside with your RB2 spot, that's where I really love where, where Swift is coming in. And I mean, if nothing else, it's oversimplified. I'm kind of a follow the money guy. He's the only guy in that backfield that's making over a million dollars, right? And while yet again, the Eagles front office just absolutely get a steal on this trade, they, they went out and spent real draft capital in order to acquire him, right? Like, you know, in addition to being the most talented player in that backfield. So, you know, it, it's it's almost kind of a brick by brick kind of cobbled together argument. But, you know, for me, it, it feels like it's a pretty solid foundation. I know that there's a bit of hype for Rashad Penny coming out of the uh, the, the Eagles mini camps. I, I really think that's just offseason chatter, right? You know, he's he's always looked pretty good with the ball in his hands. So, absolutely, you know, that's that's not something that we, you know, is is a unknown factor. And the big thing with him, I mean, he has a hard time staying on the field, right? So, like, I, I think Swift will win out on merit alone. But if not, pretty solid likelihood that over the course of a full season, you know, he's he's going to have the lion's share of that, of that workload because the guys behind him or the guys splitting work with him can't stay healthy enough to take the field. So definitely like the upside that comes along with Swift and like him in the correct context, which is RB2 or flex on your roster. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see a different Swift this season. I don't think he's going to see as many dump offs. I don't think you'll see as many receptions, but I think the carries go back up towards 150. Uh, Maybe we could get that 175, 180 range if he's lucky. Um, But yeah, a little bit of value there for Swift in Philadelphia. He's a player we really haven't talked a lot here about all off season, all summer long. So I was excited to throw his name in there. Uh, One more sleeper here for you, Eric, and then I'll round it out. But who do you have for us? Where are you taking us with this pick? Man, so I am uh, I'm rolling the dice here a little bit, and I'm gonna go with Rashad Bateman. Ooh. This is a player that uh, coming out of the NFL draft last year, where Marquise Brown was traded to Arizona, a lot of people thought that he was the young emerging wide receiver in this Ravens offense to 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 roster, and he was drafted as as such. Right, there were points where he was going in the fourth or fifth round as yes, really fourth, kind of fifth, the. Yep the only pass catching option not named Mark Andrews in that offense. And for a period of time last year, you know, it seemed like we might be on that track, but you know, ultimately injury got in his way. He only played six games last season. Lamar Jackson himself only played 12 games. So a lot of those didn't overlap. You know, there, there were points where Bateman was able to pop, right? We saw him you know, go off for 14 points in the first game, 21 points in the second game, right? Like really, Felt like there was some momentum building. That's where the you know the injuries and, and things started to come in. But Bateman himself, you know, he's he's really good after the catch. Um, you know, his his yards per route run is two point five nine. It doesn't register because he only played six games. But for context, Drake London was number eleven at two point four zero. Right, so you know he's getting downfield. He's getting these high value targets, and if nothing else. A, Rashad Bateman is incredibly cheap right now. And B, I'm sure you love this as a Steelers fan, Greg Roman is out of town. You get the inept offensive coordinator shipped out. We're now looking at a Todd Munkin office offense. And I think that is not only going to open things up and really emphasize the pass game much more than we've seen really over the course of Lamar Jackson's career, but also he's just not going to do stupid shit like run the same 15 plays to open yeah. every single game or only only have their most talented receiver on the field for 60% of snaps, right? Like 
there's just going to be a more logical, modern, aggressive approach. So I, I think I think that high tide is going to raise all ships in Baltimore. And while he will have to share that workload with Flowers, with OBJ, I do think that relative to wide receiver 46 overall, a very late round draft pick, he's in a good position to return solid value. And they use him in a way, at least historically, that offers enough upside to where it's it's a it's a worthy gamble to take. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll be super transparent. I've been very off of the Ravens' passing game this season, just because I don't think Monking is going to be you know a switch where everything changes instantly. While I think that you have some great points on, on everything you threw out there, I, I am I am down on this. I'm still down on this offense. But with that said. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver 46, like you're taking him late enough. If there's a guy I'm shooting for, it's Bateman. He is the one on this offense I like the best. I loved him in Minnesota during college. Him and Tyler Johnson stole my heart. I watched a lot of Big Ten football, so I really liked them back then as well. Um, And I think he has some pop here. I think he has some pop. Can he stay on the field? And I want to see him be used more creatively too because he is a great yards after catch specialist. And he was more used as a deep threat last season. So I want to see him close to the line of scrimmage. Let's lower that eight a little bit as well. But yeah, I'm out on this off this, this passing game in general, but with the price you're getting these guys, you got to take a shot at one of them. Probably why not Rashad Bateman? So I'm, I, I will be, I'll have a couple shares, man. You know, it's not one that I'm reaching my hand in the pot and I'm excited to get, but he's fallen to me and he'll continue to fall to me as well. So post hype sleeper, Rashad Bateman. I like the call there, Eric. I'm going to round us out. I'm getting even deeper, man. Like we're going, uh, we're not going all the way to the Titanic in our submarine, but we are, hey. we're going, <laughs> we're going deep. Uh, Eric, before we move on, I do got to kind of ask you about that as well. Like, man, that is sad. That is a sad situation, but like, why would you ever do that? That sounds like a dumbass thing to do in a way. Like I am very, like very sad for those people, very sad for their families, but like, if you were my friend, Eric, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go down in the submarine and you're kind of telling me the details about what it takes to get down there next week. As a good friend, Eric, I feel like I would at least be like, oh, I don't know if I do that, Jim. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the exact vibe, right? Like it's a it's a tragic story. You know, obviously, you know, any time that there is loss of life involved, it's going to be heartbreaking. But I mean the lesson <laughs> do do your due diligence right you asked me earlier if i'm gonna voluntarily jump out of an airplane right i'm probably not <laughs> gonna do that because i'm very well very well aware of the risks involved with it right so you know if if you feel like jumping into submersible make sure it's not piloted by an xbox controller make sure it's not <laughs> assembled from loose parts from radio shack right like just if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna put your life on the line read the fine print Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely, man. Like we, we love to have fun here. We like to try different shit at IBT, but know the risk, know the risk people. That's all I'll say there. We got Toronto Dave in the chat. What's up, Dave? Hey, Glad you can make it in for the submissible chat, baby. All right. So, so we are going deep here, not Titanic deep, but we are going deep. We are going all the way to wide receiver number 67, Alec Pierce. And this is a guy who he caught a lot of preseason hype and then was really hyped up early in the season after some big performances early on in his career, us included, guilty as charged. I liked Alec Pierce a lot. Our guy on the podcast, Scott Rainier, liked him a lot. 
And then he just finished his wide receiver 63 because the quarterback play just fell off a fucking cliff. And this is reflected. If you look at his advanced metrics here, 76 best quarterback rating when targeting him. He was just not getting any sort of production from that position there. And I think this was just an offense that was ran all wrong last season. I like Frank Wright. I like the young kid that they brought in after after him to coordinate this. But Pierce is 6'3", 211 pounds. Yet he was 76 among wide receivers in red zone targets. Like that's where they need to get this guy involved. And I think Pierce can have some big weeks here, even with Anthony Richardson growing and those pains he's going to go through as a rookie here, because we know one thing about Alec Pierce. This guy can catch a deep ball. Average per reception last season, 14.5. Richardson's best raw ability right now outside of his rushing is that deep ball. We've seen it at multiple times last season at Florida. We saw it in his pro day as well. Everything that I've, I've looked at from the scouts who know better than I, they say his deep ball is decent. I trust Shane Steichen. I really trust this guy. This is one of those next gurus in my opinion. I know A.J. Brown is an absolute stud, but he reached a ceiling last season with Steichen. Devonta Smith, I've loved him since college, I think as most people have. However, he's been great his, his two seasons. Steichen's been a big part of that. Dallas Goddard last season reached his ceiling with Shane Steichen. And I know all these players are super, super talented individuals. But even Quez Watkins has had over 1,000 yards in the past two seasons under Steichen. So I think... I think the, the sky's the limit here for Pierce, man. At six at wide receiver 67, he's a high upside flex play for me on a lot of weeks here. I, I really like him, man. Am I, am I reading too far into this uh, rejuvenated Colts offense here, you think? No, I, I think your logic is sound, right? Um, you know, Sykin coming in is a huge get for this Colts organization and for this offense. So in lockstep with you there. And I, I think your I think your points are are directionally true, right? Like, I, I think we're going to see a bunch of over the top opportunities for Alec Pierce. I think we're going to see an increased number of red zone opportunities for him, kind of like we were talking about with Kyle Pitts, right? Not only our defense is going to have to account for Jonathan Taylor, but also account for the legs of Anthony Richardson in the red zone. Yes, that should be at least a bit more cushion in in the in the red area of the field. You know, for for me. You know these these home run hitters, these guys that are touchdown dependent. They they definitely offer the upside. It feels like a bit of a guessing game, trying to figure out which are the weeks where they're going to go off. So whenever that's the case, we have ourselves a best ball target, right? Someone that yes. we can just drop into that best ball draft, and when he pops, he's in your starting lineup. So you know, for me, for redraft purposes, you know, feels like it might be kind of chasing your tail a little bit, figuring out when he will go off. But ultimately, yes. all the reasons why you're bullish on him are rock solid. I appreciate that. And and kind of the range, just so people know where he's going. Uh, DJ Chark, one, one after him. I think Chark could be interesting. But then it's guys like Rashid Saheed, Van Jefferson, MVS, Curtis Samuel, Jalen Hyatt, Tyquan Thornton. Like That's kind of the range he's headlining here. So I would much rather take him than a lot of those guys and even some players ahead of him as well. Um, so yeah. Alec Pierce, he's one you can throw your darts at the end of the draft and see what's cooking. 
Uh, we got Dee Dee here in the chat. She's laughing about uh, the, the past conversation, probably uh, about the submissible. Don't sink, boys. <laughs> don't sink. We appreciate you, Dee Dee. We appreciate everyone following along. Eric, uh, I, I appreciate your fantasy analysis tonight, man. But before we let you go, we do have a little bit of good news to share, my friends. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Right, good news. We're bringing the feel good vibes right to you guys, Eric. I'm gonna hand it off to you, man. W what's been good in your world? It's been good in the world in general that you just want to share uh, a little bit of positivity with the IBT family, man. So, this one is incredibly selfish because I'm probably one of like four people that is interested in it. But, um, I, I heard news earlier in the week that NASA unveiled a new prototype for what they're calling their X-Plane, the X-66A. It's part of their multi-billion dollar initiative uh, partnering with Boeing to not only get to a zero carbon footprint uh, commercial airplane by 2050, but also the way that they're doing it is doing things like expanding the wings, reducing drag. So all this means that air travel might be getting quieter, might be getting faster. I personally live under a flight path, so I've got planes flying over my head all the time. If they're more, if they're quieter, that is something that I'm certainly interested in. But if nothing else, anyone that's had to do traveling or do any sort of traveling lately, the idea of maybe shaving 20, 30 minutes off of your, your flight time is awesome. And like I mentioned at the very top, going full circle, I am sweating up here in a hot attic in Texas. We need to do everything we can to try to cool down this blue marble that we're on. So not only is this interesting, but it also does a little bit of good in terms of its impact on the environment. Good on you, NASA. Good on you, man. I, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate their contributions. And 100%, man, like shit's going to hit the fan eventually. So we got to do what we can to, you know, really right. protect this earth. So I appreciate everything NASA's doing down there. I love the headline. I got two here for you, Eric. One a little bit more serious and a little bit more of a fun one. Um, but shout out to Brittany Griner. I mean, this woman has been through so much in her life and, you know, spent months and months in, in, in Russia detained and then makes her way back. And a lot of people, I, I, I think if you would ask me, Eric, I would have thought she would have taken some time off of her WNBA career. Well, not this lady. She is a fierce competitor. She makes the WNBA all-star team in her first season back from that scary incident over there in Russia. Man, I mean, you got to talk about perseverance, someone who can come back and, and talk about her mental fortitude, just to be able to come back through so much and be able to put that aside and get back into the game, be a good teammate, be a good leader of, of her franchise. Man, this like this just makes your, your heart warm. Yeah, it, it absolutely does, right? And you, you mentioned perseverance. I mean, I, I think that's that's really the, the key phrase, right? Like this this wasn't some, you know, white collar club fed type of type of prison system that she was in, right? Like this was yeah. the absolute worst case scenario in terms of circumstance that you can find yourself in, not to mention it was for fraudulent, if not in just reasons, manages to get all the way through through that and step right back into the life that she was leading before, right? I'm sure that she has her struggles. She has her down days, right? But, you know, yeah. finding that balance and still able to not only perform, but perform well, you know, at the, uh, on the, on the, high, on the highest stage for, uh, for her sport is, is absolutely commendable. 
100%. Brittany, keep it up. You are an inspiration to everyone. Thank you for your services in the WNBA, our friend. And now let's move to some college football to round it out here. Nick Saban, our boy, can still get down. And I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a Nick Nick Saban hater sometimes. I question some of the things he does in recruiting, uh, among some other things. And, you know, you see him on some of these college football shows when he's out of it. And he just looks pissed off when people say stuff. Uh, they congratulate other coaches and stuff like that. But, man, Nick Saban apparently can still get down. I'm going to share this guy, this with you guys. Um, but this is a, a, a recent video that comes out for Nick Saban. And I mean, Cupid Shuffle. People sh hey. Cupid Shuffle here. Right? Like, okay. he knows it. He's not just looking at the person in front of him here, Eric. No, our 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 guy is absolutely making it hot on this Cupid shuffle. I mean, it it's perfect that he's he's breaking out a line dance that's like I don't know, 16 years old at this point, right? Like <laughs> he's absolutely got it locked in. And if nothing else, like it's it's fun and nice just to see him like enjoying life to any degree because he's usually just so salty and pissed off. But also yeah. kudos to him, like still with the with the burgundy sport coat on right like always on brand gotta <laughs> gotta hold it down for the tide even when he's randomly doing the cupid shuffle in someone's living room yeah absolutely i mean listen i've never done the cupid shuffle in someone's living room but if i yeah, did it same. i would not do it as good as nick saban dude is like 72 right now still showing up in the recruiting path so hats yeah. off to him he's on hot, brand hot take I feel like he was kind of holding back there. Like I, I feel like if he had more space, like he would, he would really start to start to put in some work, right? I'm, I, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to get Nick out on the dance floor. Uh, maybe we'll invite him to the Fantasy Football Expo and maybe he can give us a a round or two at karaoke, maybe. man. Eric, I loved having you on the pod tonight, man. Good vibes all around. Tell the good people out there how they can find you and uh, what you're up to here this summer. Yeah, the easiest way to find the various things that I have my hands in are is in my personal Twitter. It's at Fantasy Nav. Um, there you will find my written work for FootballDieHards.com, for DrRoto.com. You'll also find an abundance of college basketball content. That is what we're spinning up multiple times a week, every single week with Green Screens Media and our marquee show, One and Done. We are interviewing active coaches, coaches, coaching legends, reporters. We're doing conference breakdowns, basically everything that you need. We're trying to keep you up to speed on the whirlwind of the transfer portal. Anything that you might be curious about in the world of college basketball is what uh, one and done is giving you. And again, all of that rolls up into my personal Twitter, which is at fantasy nav. Eric, we appreciate that, man. You're someone I come to when I need to, to know what's going on here with my Penn State Nittany Lions basketball team that has fallen mm -hmm. apart. So, guys, open a new tab. Go over to Green Screen Media here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It would mean a lot to Eric and his great team over sure there. Would. But before you do, make sure you're subscribed here at IBT as well or just come back and subscribe to us. We have content coming for <laughs> you guys so much over here. Uh, Didi, we appreciate you in the chat saying, come on, dance for us, Seth. Yeah, I, I, I get down every once in a while. You know, I need a couple <laughs> drinks in me, uh, you know, lower the inhibitions a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I get down a little bit here. Um, 
Appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back for you next Tuesday. Uh, but Eric, thanks so much for being here, guys. Everyone, enjoy your July 4th. I don't think uh, we'll see you sometime that night. It might be a pre-recorded episode. We'll see what happens. But if we don't see you before then, enjoy it. Be safe this weekend. Think about the risks. Think about the risks. That's what I'm no saying. submarining, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get from <laughs> the submarines all. Until next time, keep it in between. 